for joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, Samir. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good, man. How you been? Good, good. So you're back from your conference. Where have you been? I was actually in Las Vegas uh, this week um, attending a few different conferences, so um, it almost seems ironic to to attend both the Adobe and the IBM conferences, but I was able to go to um, IBM's Interconnect and IBM's Amplify conferences and also the uh, Adobe Summit conference. And wow. all okay. of them were absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's it's really amazing to see the new technologies that are coming up and both from the IBM and Adobe side and, and really how data and analytics are really changing the game, you know. That's awesome. That's great. So any anything in particular you would like to highlight, maybe like a sentence or two for our audience? Yeah, I, I think really it's the it's really not just how big you can build out your marketing stack with you know um, adopting Martech or marketing technologies from both you know uh, Adobe and IBM, but it's really about being able to utilize the data that those tools offer. You know, it's it's not about how big your stack can be, but how integrated that data between that stack is. And without that integrated data, you're basically doubling and tripling your work. And, you know, I, I think it's a pretty interesting thing. It goes into today's topic. That's great. Yeah, no. That makes and, complete sense. I think the data integration part is what we have been stressing about. You know, it's not just how much data you collect. Or it's just not how much technology you, you use. Uh, I think it's mainly like how do you put the data that you already have to action exactly you know it's one of those things if you look at the average marketer that goes to these types of events you know a lot of times they're pretty rolling with their search you know they're really rolling with you know their email campaigns and so on and and they're really looking for solutions that are driving the other things that aren't really showing a a easy to sell you know to management roi and so today's topic is a very cool topic. It's called how to hack low performing marketing programs with data and analytics. And you know, that word hack is always a fun word, right? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so today's today you and I are going to talk about the hack. And, and really my thought with that is, you know, how do you hack low performing marketing programs? So some of these low performing marketing programs are ones that don't have a strong ROI, but we know that really have a strong presence in your, in your funnel. Um, one specifically is display for brand awareness. The other one is really social for engagement um, and brand awareness. And then also uh, print, you know, that old legacy channel print. And each of these really typically gets a low, you know, ROI or even click-through rate. And I remember one statistic I saw for um, display was even like a 0.4% click-through rate on average. And, you know, when you're going back and talking about the ROI on a 0.4%, you don't get really excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're yeah, thinking, man, totally. can't, you just, I, I can't you just eclipse one? Or, you know, even looking at typical return on investment, you know, sometimes with, with um, you know, paid search, you can get a one and a half to one, uh, sometimes a two to one return on investment. With email, you can see something as high as a three to one return on investment. But then when you look at social and display and even print, you're looking at like sometimes a 0.5 to one return and you're sitting there and how do you justify to your management to keep these channels 
you know, because as you would say, let's say, Samir, if, if you are our analytics guy at the company and I were some Joe Schmo marketer who didn't really understand data and analytics and I went to you and said, okay, Samir, I just ran the numbers and I found out that display, social, and print, as an example, had negative ROI for us. Really, it was almost like a uh, we were losing 50 cents on every dollar we spend. We should just cut it. Now, what would be your answer there? Yeah, I think the first question, you know, ROI uh, on that regard, so like what I would think about is ROI itself is a very big word uh, yeah. because a lot of uh, companies and a lot of uh, organizations look at ROI in a multiple different way. So I think the first thing, you know, it's a great point that you brought up. So as a part of the setup in order to, uh, you know, hack the low-performing marketing programs with data and analytics, the setup should be make sure the definitions are clear. Yes. Uh, every organization has this pretty common issue. Uh, they have uh, – their definitions are, you know, something that have been created internally and they have been managing for a long time and they don't match the, match the standard definitions. Uh, like we're having you know, a similar kind of a restructuring the organization. Like how do we improve our definition so it starts to make sense? So when we say ROI, what does that mean? ROI means are you looking at the revenue over the course of 12 months? Are you looking at the entire customer's lifetime? Or are you looking at just for the return on that specific program in that month? Uh, so yeah. I would first ask you or that particular analyst to go and do some research and try to figure out and see – what so is let's, the common uh, ROI metric that they use? So let's have a typical dialogue here, and, and I'll pretend to be common marketer, you know, and, and don't make fun of me here. So <laughs> I'll, you I'll are more than be, common marketer. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So I'll, I'll pretend to be common marketer, and you be you, like the real Samir, and do typically what you would do if somebody like me was a- asking you questions. Okay, so let's say I'm the marketing manager who oversees a few different channels, which happens to be. Um, you know, like a media buyer. So I'm buying ads and stuff. And I go to you and I say, hey, Samir, you know, um, I was doing an ROI measurement and I know the way I calculate ROI is revenue minus cost over cost. And I was looking at my ROI over the past week and, you know, it's like, man, I wanted a snapshot and it's just, I'm getting killed out there. You know, I mean, can we stop spending? I mean, I, I my search... And my emails are giving me a ton of money back. Can't I just move money over from the low-performing to the higher-performing ones? That's a great question, Jeremy. Uh, my question to you will be, when you look at the ROI, uh, again, the same formula, are you looking at the revenue over the course of that month? Are you looking at 12 months? Or are you looking at the entire lifetime of the customer? Yeah, so that's a hard one because right now the only data that I have in front of me is really what happened, you know, this month and the same time last month because I, I get paid and I get scored based on how many leads and the revenue I bring in for this month because that's what sales wants. Right. So I'm not, I don't really care about that other stuff. Yeah. So I think you know when getting to the ROI, I would use the standard finance definition, which in the case of uh, our organization is the lifetime revenue of the customer. So uh, let's figure out like the leads that you drove and that converted an opportunity, close one deal. What is the lifetime revenue of that? Uh, and very simply, you can get that by taking the monthly revenue multiplied by the lifetime of the customer, uh, which could be you know X number of months. So once you get that number, 
then we can apply the same ROI math and still be able to figure out, which in this case, if you take a longer term trend of revenue production from that channel, uh, the mm -hmm. returns will be much better. That's one thing to, you know, there is one way to measure display and low performing channels. The other way I would say is generally speaking, for low performing channels such as display and social, they play a, you know, they may not play an active role in creation of demand, but they mm -hmm. definitely play a very solid role in digital branding. Uh, they play a great role in expansion of thought leadership content, like the promotion of thought yeah. leadership content. But, okay, and this is me still playing my role here, but I look at the numbers and my people are pulling reports and the click through rates are just terrible. So how am I going to be able to justify that? And I mean, how do I know that people are actually looking at that stuff and it actually drives revenue? Like, does it really, how can we prove it? I think the first step is to, uh, you know, set the cadence for uh, whether or not you display media's sole focus is to drive revenue, whether social media's sole focus to drive revenue. Because if that's what we have established as a cadence, then we need to go and re uh, kind of re-educate people who are involved. Uh, you know, and, okay. and, and, and let them know like, hey, display media and social media, are not just revenue. And we're going to continue to run it, even though it may not have a direct impact on revenue, because we're seeing these uh, kind of indirect impact on other programs. So display can help with lead progression. Display can help with lead digital branding. Social can help with thought leadership establishments. There are yep. so many different use cases that are not directly revenue centric, where these programs will play a great part. That's how I would approach it. Cool. Okay, so end scenario. That was fantastic. So it's funny. I think both you and I have been on these sides of the fences listening you know, to these ty types of conversations. So it's funny that you and I were able to just off the top of our heads come up with a typical conversation we have with somebody. No, that's, so, that's great. Yeah, so, so why don't we talk about like you know, yeah. before we get into the actual – um, kind of the steps to hack the low-performing sure. marketing program. Like, why don't we talk about the setup and what does a okay. typical marketing analytics setup looks like? Because you know, to be a hacker, you need to have the right tools and the technologies yep. and the setup, right? So let's start with like a low-level, like entry-level, level one, and go up into, or let's say level four, which would be lowest level, right? And let's go to level one as the highest level. Uh, well, uh, I think, you know, every organization will see that as different. I would say the level one is the base level, right, to start okay. with. And then the level four is all the way up to uh, kind of the Uber analytics level. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about entry level. What do you need? What's... So I think, yeah, so so the way I see from a marketing technology, a MarTech standpoint, uh, at least in my mind, uh, I have a very well-defined uh, kind of categories of technology and tools uh, based on the level it is. So the level one, it's a very starting foundational level. Anyone who's doing digital business, they need to have from an analytics standpoint is digital analytics and web personalization or A-B testing or however you call it. Okay. So that's, you know, you just came from Adobe conference. So Adobe is the leader in digital analytics uh, uh, in, and also kind of a personalization as well. So what I mean by that is in order for you to effectively measure your digital performance, the very basic thing you need will be a basic web analytics, digital analytics platform with a combination of some of the testing and personalization capabilities so you can test and target on your website. And do you mind, let's uh, maybe 
sound off a few of those names, not specifically in particular any company, but just, you know, yeah. any kind of types of those. Yeah, there are lots of them. Uh, so when you look at the web analytics, we have Google Analytics, we have uh, Adobe Analytics, uh, IBM Custom Analytics, uh, Web Trends. Those are some of the examples of web analytics. Okay. Uh, and then the other one is uh, uh, the other part of the uh, equation, which is the A-B testing platform. So we have... Uh, uh, test and target from Adobe. Uh, we have uh, tools like uh, personalization tools like Evergage. Uh, we have A/B testing platform uh, like uh, Visual A/B testing, Visual Website Optimizer. Yep. Uh, so there yep. are lots of different BWO. tools yeah. um, that are available in the market that solve for that purpose. Yeah, and, and I think, and in, in before we get into the next level, what is the key indicator to that? the person who runs this, that they're ready to step it up? Like when do they hit that threshold? Uh, step up threshold is once you have established your base foundational level one analytics and you see the data populating from it and you're starting to make some uh, good uh, progress on that data. Like for example, you're able to set up the reports, you're able to measure your traffic, you're able to measure the conversions, you're also able to provide content based on user's behavior uh, so yep. you have uh, you know checkbox on at least uh, some of the core projects, and I think it's time to move on uh, to the next level. Okay, sounds sounds great. Okay, so level two. Um, so yeah, let's talk about level two there. Yeah, so level two uh, is uh, the category of your uh, secondary level analytics platform, which will support your campaign activities, your programs, uh, your data collection and cleansing. Uh, your uh, kind of marketing automation. So all of the yep. uh, operational analytics, all of the program and media analytics will fall under level two. Um, so, nice. you know, tools such as MediaMat, uh, LiveRamp, Axiom, uh, all of the data tools, uh, yep. LeadLander, uh, Lead Duplication Remover, like RingLead, all of those fall under the level two. So this is where you start to get to really into the data and analytics measurement of your programs, uh, start to clean up data, organize data, uh, make sure everything is set up and correctly uh, at working. Okay. And say, for instance, marketing automation, what are some of the ones that uh, you know our listeners can keep an eye out for? Yeah, and there are lots of marketing automation platforms. Some of the top ones are uh, Marketo. We have Pardot from Salesforce. Uh, there are some smaller ones that are popping up, like you know, some of the startups that are coming with the really cool new marketing automation technology that doesn't require too much uh, configuration. So if you are a smaller organization and get can get go by by using a smaller tool, then you know there are some startup tools, and we'll list that in the podcast. The name doesn't ring a bell to me yet, yeah. but I think we can definitely go and list that up. Uh, so, as far as campaign, you're talking most like the IBM campaign. Um, yeah, or Unica, even like Adobe Campaign Unica and stuff. Campaign, Unica. Uh, Adobe yeah. Campaign Manager, the marketing clouds, uh, Salesforce yep. Marketing Cloud, they have some campaigning capability there. Or every every major company now that has their company name plus marketing, marketing cloud. cloud. <laughs> <laughs> so you already saw like three, four different marketing clouds oh in God. your trip. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I think everybody has decided to say company name, marketing yeah, cloud. And exactly. that's, the, <laughs> that's the new naming convention. Okay, so let's get into level three there. So the level three then gets into more advanced level stuff. You know, this is where you're yep. starting. Now that you have all the data you collected, you're mm -hmm. you're cleaning up your data, you're building your 
uh, starting to build your technology stacks. Now you want to add advancements. Now you want to do forecasting on your data. Now you want to do attribution on your data. You want to do predictive analytics on your data. So this is yes. where you start getting into um, the SQLs of the world, uh, you know, IBM Watson analytics, another great example, uh, Salesforce Einstein, and plus uh, traditional uh, powerful uh, data forecasting technologies such as Tableau, um, Cognos, and several other BI level tools. So this is level three is more of a BI side where you do attribution, mm-hmm. forecasting, and predictive. Yeah. So after that, so let's say okay, you started off, you have your basic web analytics, you started to do some type of personalization. Um, then you really get into the whole campaign side and automation, and you starting to put together some data management tools to help you do that. And you're really looking at your now media analytics. And then after that, you start doing a little bit of forecasting, a little bit of attribution, and a little bit of predictive, right? You know, yeah. be able to say which message goes to what and to whom and so on. So where, when do you hit level four? Like what is level four here? So this level is, four. This is the top. Yeah, I think this is the top level. Uh, certain components of level four can be implemented as early as level two and level three. Like, for instance, in CRM, you know, CRM, it, it it's a very kind of integrated part of your demand creation, especially if you're a lead gen organization. Um, mm-hmm. You would like to have a CRM from the get-go uh, so that you can start populating the leads and you can start measuring the performance of the leads as they mature into opportunity and close one deals. Um, yep. So the CRM, so basically with the level four, the way I see it is you become a totally uh, BI-facing full intelligence organization where you have a combination of CRM and data warehouse. And you move to data warehouse when you have all the level three checkboxes, you know, the three level checkboxes checked up. So you have your base analytics. You're able to measure your programs. You are playing with some really powerful BI technologies to do forecasting and attribution. And then you want to do some really advanced stuff over a long period of time. You want to do some some really powerful segmentation. You want to draw some really massive insights from your data that will help your business strategize. And, you know, geo expansion could be one of them or category expansion or industry expansion, like all of those big media projects and that time of time you yep. need uh, you know, you need to have a data warehouse where you can pull the data from and slice and dice it and drive some strong intelligence to guide your organization on those strategic decisions. Completely agree. Completely agree. Very cool. So now that we've um, you know done this setup where we've talked about you know the typical marketing analytics setups level one two three and four so let's go into some of the issues yeah, now we're ready to hack right now we have the tools Here is, let's start hacking right so common marketing program issues so the first one let's start with the top and go to the bottom right so traffic and top funnel issues so re- really let's say for the for the the common or the, the new the newcomers to our podcast, right? If you're really just getting into data analytics, we say tra- traffic and top of funnel. Let's just define what top of funnel means just so everybody's on the same page here. Absolutely. Uh, so the way we see demand creation is we see three major layers of the funnel. Now, you, you can take that three to divide it into five or six, however you feel like it. But there are basically three layers. One is the top of the funnel, which is where you mm-hmm. put your traffic, essentially your prospects into the funnel. Uh, and then yep. the, the, the other one is the middle of the funnel, which is what happens when they get in touch with you as an organization and how do you progress them and mature them to an opportunity. Uh, and then the last part is how do you convert them to a close one deal or customers, right? So that's the bottom of the funnel. So at the top of the funnel is your traffic, specifically when we're talking about digital marketing. 
know, the traffic that you drive through your website from all the different programs. So it could be your banner ads, your emails, uh, your uh, social media stuff, your search advertising. Uh, and there are so many different avenues. The new avenues like Periscope is one of them. Uh, videos is another one of them. So these are all the channels that fit into the top, filling the top of the funnel category. Okay, that makes sense. And, and so with that, you know, a lot of times people are going to say, and so the, the common issue here is that, you know, we're not getting enough traffic or traffic's not trending the right way um, or really having a lot of top of funnel issues, really not getting in traffic from, you know, directly from the channels that we saw into our funnel. And, you know, re- really what is what is the hack? What should be the data and analytics hack that the data-driven marketer should be looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the top funnel issues, like you very well put, uh, which is the traffic patterns, right? So pretty common thing, hey, I'm not getting traffic, or my longer-term trend says that we're not seeing enough traffic coming to the site, or we're not growing our traffic, or maybe the other issue, which is common now, is mobile traffic is accelerating desktop traffic. What do I do? How do I prepare Mm -hmm. for it? Uh, So the first thing I would say is, look for a longer term trend, you know, 24 to 13 months is a good term to go look at yep. and how your traffic's progressing. And then on top of that, add seasonality to it. Uh, every organization has a different cadence for seasonality, depending on how they structure their annual calendar and revenue cycles. Uh, and typically, you know, we see uh, a drop in, uh, in December, you know, very t- in the holiday season. Uh, we also see some drop in June, July, at least in the North America, yep. because those are the times when people are with their families on vacation, vacation yeah. and doing fun stuff. Uh, yep. So that's pretty typical. So, uh, you know, kind of taking the long-term trend, applying seasonality, and then driving some conclusions by channels and programs individually, right? Because if you look at the traffic as a whole, you're not going to get a lot of insights. You want to drill down and see which part of your traffic is getting impacted. Where are you seeing a drop? Uh, or which particular portion of the site is leading to the drop. So all those drill downs and issues uh, can help you identify the channels uh, or a combination of channels and the web pages or web sections or mobile sections. Then you can go and you know f- develop a strategy to fix it or plan to fix yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that really is part of the top of the funnel and gets into the next thing we're going to talk about, the mid-funnel, this is a specific project that you and I both worked on. And I don't know if you remember this one. This was the one where we were trying to show proof that social media is a key driver to um, to uh, engagement, and that that traffic that's sourced from social media um, caused the, the second and the third visits to come in quicker than they would if they did not hit social. Do you remember that? Absolutely, remember that. Yes. Yeah. That was a pretty cool finding. I remember when we started running those routes, you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is the coolest thing yeah, ever. I remember so, the pie chart really, that kind of shows like our impact on the social space versus the opportunity. Yeah. You know, I still remember that. It was like we were like less than 1% or something like that at that yeah, point Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so think about traffic. We, we looked at two different types of traffic, right? Traffic that went through social and traffic that didn't go through social, right? So they funneled through social and not – and so with that, what we found that traffic that did not go through social, I'm, I'm going to make it up because I don't really remember the exact data, but from the first visit to the second visit was around seven days, right? The second visit to the third visit, let's say, was around five days and so on. 
And then we looked at the time spent on site. We look at the page views. We look at the flows and and really their traffic patterns within the site and so on, right? The behaviors. Then we looked at traffic that came from the same source, but then interacted with social. And then we made the guess, the hypothesis that traffic that came from social was able to get a new sense of engagement and they were more willing to come back quicker and more often. So we found that the ones that, that went through social rather than seven days from the first or second visit it was five days. And rather from the second to third visit instead of being five days, it was now three days. Yes. So do you remember? That? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a fantastic. The, uh, you know, second time visit or third time visit. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. It, it was, I, I remember like, um, like a great story. Every time I remember it, I put it, it puts a smile on my face. I was like, oh my gosh, we've figured out something big. And it was data-driven proof. Yes. And that's really the, the beauty of what we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to hack, being able to truly hack as a digital data-driven marketer, just hack it away. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Absolutely. Cool. All right, let's go to the next one. Engagement in mid-funnel issues. So what do, you, what do we mean by mid-funnel here? Uh, so as I was uh, doing a quick introduction on the, the three parts of the demand funnel, right? So the top mm-hmm. part is when you drive the traffic. The middle part is when you have people that have raised their hand and interested in your content, interested in your um, your online and offline events and your activities, and you have captured their information into your CRM tool. Uh, at that point of time, what do you do with it? How do you... First off, how do you keep their engagement at the same level as they were when they originally raised their hands and and even higher? And then secondarily, how do you progress them all the way to so that you have an opportunity, a true opportunity with them that they have now showed an interest that, hey, I am ready to do business with you. Let's talk about numbers or let's talk about details. Uh, so that's what we mean by the mid-funnel issues. And specifically when it comes to issue is, you know, there could, there could be a lot of different ways to think about it. First is, why are your leads not progressing and becoming marketing qualified leads? Um, yep. The other one could be, why are your marketing qualified leads are not converting to uh, sales accepted leads? Or why are your sales accepted leads are not converting to opportunities? And it could be a lot of different reasons. Maybe you have a really bad process of managing your lead to opportunity creation conversion. Or maybe you have some really low-quality content that's not helping people move down the funnel. Or maybe you have uh, you know, a personnel issue, like there are people who are not doing a good job qualifying those leads uh, in the process. Uh, or another one could be in your marketing automation, your email is not getting delivered to the respective clients and is being treated as spam. Uh, so there could be a lot of different issues that could lead to the mid-funnel problems. So here, here's my recommendation with that. As a good, thorough marketer, I recommend making a checklist or even just taking down notes of every single time you have to go and do this <laughs> do this verification or check, which is probably it happens at least a few times a month for people. Write down all these different tactics and things that you check and do because you're going to want to go back and check those same things again. And eventually it turns into a quick checklist, right? So you don't spend hours and days trying to figure things out. But I think it's just a good practice to have just to write it down. Once you've learned something, learned the best practice or look for something, write it down. And that's a great point. I really like the idea of checklist for each of these uh, categories, right? Uh, the top, middle, and the bottom of the funnel because it just helps you 
immediately go and follow down the path. Because normally, if you're laying up in issues with any part of your funnel, uh, you know, lots of people have different opinions, uh, and there are lots of different ways to slice and dice the data and identify the issues. But if you have a checklist mm-hmm. for each of these uh, categories, then it's easier for you to follow the steps. So then you don't have Absolutely. to go and uh, you know kind of run uh, everywhere and trying to figure out what the issue is or your team. Uh, you just have a specific cadence and follow that cadence. Yeah. And it's a team thing. It's easy for you to give your team a checklist of things to look at. So you yourself, if you're in a management position, aren't actively having to do these things yourself and taking you away from the day to day. So perfect. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. We got one more. So conversion and lower funnel issues. So let's talk about that one. Yeah. So the last part of the funnel is now that you have a valid opportunity or now someone has showed up on your website and they have added the product to the shopping cart, you want them to buy that product. Uh, and there are a lot of different ways why they would not. You know, Probably they are at the point where when they're trying to enter their credit card information on your site and they they are seeing an error and their credit card is not processed, even though they have enough money in the bank. Uh, the other issues could be you have an opportunity on the table, and your sales team is not effectively able to communicate the value proposition of your organization that leads to the closure of the opportunity. Or maybe the sales team is not armed with enough content to help them support go to the closure. Uh, so I think there are lots of different action items you can take there. Like first is identify how long it takes from you to go from that opportunity creation or shopping cart product addition to convert to a close one deal or you know sale of that product uh, you know in in a span of is it a span of minutes is it a span of an hour or is it a span of days or months and once you identify that gap and then identify the macro the micro steps between those conversions so maybe they added the product to the shopping cart but now they have to go through the five different steps in order to complete the transaction or maybe they have an opportunity, but now they have to go to the opportunity maturity cycle, which is you know discovery phase. Uh, they go back and forth in negotiation phase, uh, identify any common grounds that they want to talk about, the proposal, and all those things. So I think that's important for you to measure and benchmark. So then then you can have a good cadence of like, okay, whether or not it's a real issue, or this is pretty common and industry average for my type of products and services. Uh, when you do that. Uh, in, in the process of doing that, you can use some technologies and tools. Like, for instance, you know, you have uh, tools that can diagnose your website conversion issues, uh, the underlying issue that you don't see from your naked eye or your analytics and data doesn't tell you. Like, Tea Leaf does that very well. Uh, User Replay does that. These tools, they allow you to replay the entire session of your customers on the website or on the mobile site, and they tell you where exactly the person was hung up and did not end up doing, you know, completing the order. Uh, and then there are other technologies which are more on the side of uh, the B2B marketing where you can give you a benchmark of your typical opportunity to close one cycle and it will tell you where exactly the gap was. Was it a particular rep? Was it a geo issue? Was it a product or segmentation issue? And then this, it will compare to the benchmark. So you can use technologies and tools to identify the issues and try to solve it. Again, it's all based on the data that you pull from different means and try to build a story. Sounds like a plan. So that's good. I mean, that's really what we got today. And, you know, this has been a fantastic topic. I mean, you know, um, for us, it's really saying it's, you know, we talk a lot about theory and we talk a lot about, you know, um, 
you know, these best practices. But when it comes down to it, you know, as a data-driven marketer, you're dealing with the day-to-day. And I think this is a great set of relevant topics that helps you go and you tackle your day-to-day issues. So this is great stuff. That's great. Yeah, I definitely, definitely like it. Yep. And uh, as Samir and I always say, uh, please keep the comments coming and the feedback coming. And if you got any topics that you want us to push, please let us know. And we'd, we'd love to uh, push your next uh, favorite topic. Absolutely. Cool. So thank you again, Samir. Hey, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining. And please make sure to leave us feedback on iTunes. I really appreciate it. It helps us drive more valuable content. Right on, man. Cool. See you guys in the air. Thanks. Bye.